Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Objective Health. My name is Elliot. I'm your host today. And um, with me, joining me in the studio is Doug. Hey, Hello. Doug. <laughs> hey, Elliot. Well, our listeners are going to be very pleased to hear that we have another guest this week, a very special guest. His name is Dr. Jeremy Ayres. So Jeremy Ayres is a doctor of osteopathy and naturopathic consultant. He's also a senior practitioner, pr- practitioner of physical medicine. He believes in the noun in the noun definition of doctor, which means teacher and educator. For more than 29 years, Dr. Jeremy has helped many thousands around the world, often from so-called incurable disease, to become vibrantly well and pain-free. His own wife, before he met her, was diagnosed terminally ill, and six years on, and now husband and wife, is vibrantly well and cancer-free. His regular broadcast, lectures, and blog are widely acclaimed, and he is a sought-after guest on numerous internet TV and radio shows. So, Dr. Jeremy, we are very pleased to have you on the show today. Welcome. Well, I'm very, I'm very honoured to be here. And when when people read that kind of bio, I think they got that guy sounds interesting. I hope I live <laughs> up to it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeremy, um, so you're a doctor of osteopathy, yeah? But you, when you know, I, I've I've seen what you've written in the past. I've listened to your interviews, and I've sort of seen you here and there. And it seems that your body of knowledge spans way beyond osteopathy. It tends to kind of, it's in many different fields. So it seems that you know a lot about nutrition, but then also many other factors involved in healing. So what initially drew you to your profession, first of all, and then what what kind of spurred you on to step out the the boundaries of that as well yeah well it's it's an interesting story that actually started around about 12 years old not that that i realized that's where my story was beginning but but around 11 or 12 years old and i had no intentions of going down this route at all you know i came from a um a building family and was set to go into the family building career and what have you but my my brother's wife um, her mother was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer and, and went on to actually pass. And of course, my brother's wife was extremely upset. Everyone was, including her husband. And there was a lot of anger, understandably. And I was very young, remember. There was a lot of anger. And she said one thing that, that really, really just stuck in my mind. And she, and she actually said, how could there be a God uh, that would take my mother from me because she was a lovely, lovely woman and, and loved by her husband. And it just struck me so deeply, that sentiment, because I was just young, you know, we're at school, you know, we're introduced to aspects of God and how the world is supposed to be, and we don't know really anything. But I thought, what a fantastic question. How can any, you know, if there is such a deity at that point, could allow such horrific um, suffering and things to happen? And it never really went away and it kind of just fibrillated in the back of my mind, but not much more. And in my um, early 20s and and, uh, late teens, um, I was an international athlete. I represented Great Britain in canoeing um, and was, was, was coming up to the Olympic year. It was my first chance at really going to the Games. And this is all going to time from what I just said. My first chance going to Olympic Games, I didn't actually. And, but anyway, um, halfway through that year, or extensive training. And I'm not a natural 
competitor. Actually, I just stuck in it for years and got to the top. But, you know, there's people out there that just, you know, if they lose, they're, they're like, well, I'm going to kill you next time. I wasn't. I was like, if you beat me, I was like, well done. Shit, you're good. <laughs> you know, and that's really not the right attitude uh, to have. Uh, and also, it used to have me permanently in the bathroom before competition because I was just so petrified and nervous. So I wasn't well suited to these things. But anyway, it came to um, getting um, on in that uh, particular <clears throat> athletic year. And I was in a, a four-man bolt, and we were the fastest in the country at that time. And I heard that badly, which is now, that many illnesses and dis-ease, which is how I you know, differentiated from disease, but disease is actually a blessing in disguise. And that may, you know, shock some people at the time, um, particularly if they've lost people, but it truly is or has the potential to be a blessing in disguise. But anyway, <clears throat> I hurt my back very badly and I couldn't stay in the bolt. And I, I you know, so I left the bolt and um, I, all I knew was I didn't like doctors at all. I think that's a fairly common thing, actually. Um, and I didn't know what osteopathy was, but there was this portly chap, not very healthy looking, that was on the squad as an osteopath, and he would charge us next to nothing to go and see him. So uh, I thought I'd venture down there and to see him, and he had a very busy clinic uh, with lots of students in there, and he took me in with no explanation, and this East German woman that had more facial hair than me at the time and <laughs> uh, larger muscles then went on to, um, well, tortured me. I'd like to say massage, but tortured me, and I was too English to complain. So I'm laying there thinking, what the hell's going on here? And after about 20 minutes of torture, which is not how it should be, by the way, but, you know, she was getting one, I think. Um, but anyway, in comes this portly chap, puts me into what I thought was a pseudo-sexual position at the time, no explanation. Um, and after the shock of being, you know, traumatized by the East German man, I mean woman, uh, anyway, uh, she adjusted me and the pain, the pain practically vanished, 80% gone. And I, that was it. That was it. I, I was just absolutely blown away that the pain was so reduced under, under these conditions. And that was it. I, I just knew I couldn't do anything else but this, and I had to learn it. And I didn't have the right education, and no one believed I could do it, and everyone thought I was crazy to start it. But I knew, I just knew, this is what I have to do. And so I managed to get myself um, on uh, into the, the, the best osteopathic, what, what was supposed to be the best osteopathic, college in in london at the time by hook and by crook i now think they just wanted my money but anyway i got myself on the course and after about a year sitting there i was bored out of my brains which was a bit of a disappointment and i was sitting next to this northern chap who's a great osteopath now and he was everything i didn't really like he was a bigot a racist he was just it just he just upset everybody and he, he enjoyed enjoyed the process and i couldn't understand why i liked him because it just wasn't usual for me and one day he just sort of turned around and said, this is crap, isn't it? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, my God, I'm not the only one. And he told me that his, his father, um, who, who trained under a great man called Harry Hawes, who's now long past, was starting a course, a course again in osteopathy um, up outside of Durham um, in a place called Ashamore College, which was a bit like a Hammer House of Horror 
movie set. You probably, Elliot, don't know what I'm talking about, but anyone who remembers the old Hammer House of Horror, it was all these old gray buildings and mist, and it was like that. It was terrible. Anyway, so I went up north and walked into this, what is a Catholic uh, priest training school with lots of um, very large paintings of frightened choir boys and dodgy-looking priests, and um, into this room where the equipment was secondhand and, you know, ripped and very bad. And I met Harry. And within 10 minutes of Harry talking, he was in his 70s at that point, you knew you were in the, uh, the presence of a master, not that he would have accepted those terms at all. He was a very humble chap, but he was absolutely a healer. And, and I don't care if that is an unscientific term for people out there. He was absolutely brilliant. And why he was brilliant was not just because of his technical ability and his knowledge, but his empathy for human beings and suffering and pain. And he genuinely cared for people, as did his lovely wife. And so um, he, I was very fortunate uh, that he took me very much under his wing. And he recognized that I, uh, in fact, he came up to me one day and said, you've got it, which was very intimidating at the time. Um, but I needed to hear it as well. But anyway, he took me under his wing and um, I trained there to become an, an osteopath, of which I, I, I became. Um, he was very anti the sort of establishment and all this stuff because he could see that mostly it was run by people who were just lining their own pockets and had other uh, agendas. Very ahead of his time, really, for back then. And by the time I came out of that, this fibrillation of a memory with my brother's wife was just building and building in me, and it sparked this incredible interest because he'd healed so many things that technically he shouldn't have really been, um, you know, uh, dealing with. And so I um, wanted to know it. In fact, you know, very arrogantly, probably at the time, I was like, I want to know what causes cancer and what heals cancer and and all these sort of things you know and and if i look back i was either stupid or arrogant i don't know what but that's what i put out there and i was intent to to find out and um you know i'll just finish very quickly how i got onto my second mentor there was an osteopathic conference and um weekend and um, I got very drunk. It was fantastic. And uh, this woman the next day called Barbara Wren, who, who was my second mentor and a real genius and has been hounded into hiding in her 80s now because she's so good. That's what we do when someone's very good. We make sure they disappear and run away and hide. But anyway, um, I heard about this woman was going to be talking for two hours on water and disease. And I thought, how the hell? Can anyone talk for two hours on water? So anyway, um, I walked in the next morning with a hangover about 15 minutes late, these double doors. It was like a bad Western movie. The doors opened. She stopped. They stopped. They all looked at me. I looked like, well, I'm sure I look like crap, actually. But I, I walked to the middle and sat down, and within 15 minutes, my my jaw was on the floor as this woman started to describe the inner aspects of what causes dis-ease. It's very, very important that we get that in there. And I was just absolutely mesmerized by what she was saying and, and what she'd done. And um, I was very fortunate that she allowed me to come and live in the same town as her and study with her. In fact, I ended up teaching at her college and spend a lot of time with her. And she is, is a genius because she's still alive. Uh, and she's absolutely brilliant. And then from there, you know, 
Um, it's just been a 30 years of, or 25 years since then, really, of, of research, research, research. And we can talk about that in a minute because when you actually go down these routes, you find what you weren't expecting to find, which is just about everything that people think was right is upside down and wrong. And that's not a very popular place to, <laughs> to start working from, but it's, it's pretty much how it is. So you, with, with osteopathy, with osteopathy in the UK, um, I, I know a couple of osteopaths and they're, um, what they've told me anyway is they're actually there's there's like a witch hunt going on at the moment mm-hmm. um and i know that you have you've only just just moved back to the uk but there's there's a witch hunt so essentially what what the regulatory bodies are trying to do is trying to force them into musculoskeletal problems only mm-hmm. and that is at odds with Taylor Still's original philosophy, no? And so osteopathy as a healing system applied mm. like a whole healthcare system is kind mm. of being shunted out. And so have you noticed that since you've been, well, through making recommendations that aren't simply in the realm of osteopathy, but actually healing in terms of everything to do with someone's lifestyle, have you found that you've had any problems in terms of from up top? Has anyone kind of told you to step back in line, so to speak? Well, you're, you're not shying away from the big questions, are you? So, okay, <laughs> which, I, which I'm really pleased about. Um, well, you can see how Harry was right, how I mentioned, you know, he didn't like the authorities and regulations because basically um, what we are uh, – you'd think we're in the time of information, but we're actually in the time of misinformation and deliberate. If you want to stay away from what many would think were conspiratorial, which they're not, but if you want to stay away from that and just keep it more uh, uh, at a level that most people would probably understand and accept, modern medicine is a business model. That's what it is. It is absolutely huge business. And if you actually look into the real history um, of where it has stemmed from, um, you'll start to see that it was a very, very uh, deliberate uh, um, business plan executed absolutely brilliantly, and they don't like competition. And the knowledge that some of these amazing people have out there basically gets people off of drugs uh, most of the time, or uh, means that they don't, lo- they no longer need to go and see. Uh, a GP, a general practitioner or general poisoner, I generally call them. But, um, you know, they don't need it anymore. So this is, this is very, very dangerous. So what has happened is um, they are, the, the so-called authorities are meant to be working in your best interest, at least that's what most people would think, are not working in your best interest. They're putting more and more and more pressure on people. It's hence why I want to get away from labels. Because if you, re- if you, if you recognize yourself as an osteopath, they want to put you in this box. Well, you're a human being, actually. You're not a osteopath. You're a human being with a certain amount of knowledge. And anyone that works in any field of helping people to recover their health or from pain, usually their, their knowledge expands out. And they start to see other aspects that they want to share. Most of those people genuinely want to see people get well. And what they'll find is, like Barbara Rent, um, Barbara Wren 
um, who is one of the uh, most brilliant people I've ever had the pleasure to work with and study with and seeing what she can do. Um, the BBC went in and secretly filmed her when she was lecturing. And actually, I know the lecture very well. So what they did was they cherry-picked some, you know, sound bites and put it all together and made her look like a raving lunatic. And then Gorilla uh, stormed her on the street. The woman was 76 or something then, not that she's, you know, she's as bright as a button. But, you know, just total made her look for the television. Um, absolutely like a mad woman, and most people sitting there will accept it. And you know what? If you put someone like Barbara and Wren in charge of one hospital for one year, you'd have a very, very different outcome, positively, in a year's, in a year's time. And that's the truth of it. But she's competition. And that's what we're dealing with. Uh, incredibly, because with the internet now, um, they're foolish, because you can't stop this information um, is why we do this, by the way, to share it and get it. You can't stop this information. And the people that I respect most actually have usually been sick, um, whether that be autistic, the mothers of autistic children who I do a lot of work with, or, you know, whether it be someone with the, the disease commonly known as cancer, because that's their language, by the way. You can't even use that word in England. They've, they've, that's my word, not yours. You can't use it. From, from Phil Escott, who you interviewed recently, who healed himself of rheumatoid arthritis, which is absolutely unheard of. And in the rheumatoid arthritis groups, they kick him out because he dares to say he's healed himself of rheumatoid arthritis. However, there are great people out there searching for the answers because the doctors, um, most of which really have gone into it for a career rather than a vocation. There are very good doctors out there, but they're few and far between, in my experience, um, are failing, um, in failing people in, in what we would understand as health, which is not necessarily just the absence of dis-ease or symptoms. It's many uh, levels of what we would you know, call good health. Well, just incidentally, uh, Jeremy, if you did want to get conspiratorial, we're totally okay with that. Okay, well, that's... <laughs> yeah, you see, I'll actually um, address that in, in, a, in a more broad manner, Doug, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, you're probably aware that the, the CIA coined the term after the JFK assassination because uh, people were discussing... Um, the authenticity and accuracy of the information being fed to them. Mm -hmm. And to stop that, they came up with um, you know, conspiracy thinker or conspiracy, and it was very effective. And so it's being used now with all manner of um, topics to just throw people off the scent. But a conspiracy, if we're going to be accurate, um, basically a conspiracy theory is a theory that something is not as you know you've been told. Once you've got some credible information, arguably even facts, it becomes a conspiracy possibility. When it is inundated with information and facts and resources, it's a bloody conspiracy. Mm. And we live in a world absolutely full of them under the guise of corporate control. Um, and if anybody is listening to this and they think, oh, God, I thought this guy's going to be interesting, but he's a nutter, <laughs> you know, you need, to go, you need to go onto YouTube and uh, watch, for example, the, the very long documentary, I, I believe it's called The Century of the Self, which is a documentary 
um, by, uh, I think it was Freud's nephew, or I think it was Freud's nephew, but I, I, I may be wrong on that, but one of the great psychiatrists, I think it was Freud, pretty sure it was Freud, Freud's nephew. And he was basically employed to um, advise uh, corporations and advertising, that will include the governments and things, on how to make you want what you don't want, accept what you wouldn't accept, and need what you don't need without you knowing it. And, you know, anyone who's done any research into marketing and advertising knows it's psychology. And on and on it goes that people, and this actually ties into what I do, people are in dis-ease whether they know it or not. Because for me, dis-ease at the very core is a frequency of truth. And we are living, living in a world of such immense deception that yeah. unless you know this or have some idea of it, you will think people like me are complete, uh, you know, quacks and mad and nutters and what have you. But as you well know, there's a massive growing body of people that are aware of the lies. And you asked me about my research. Once you start going down the realms I did, you start to realize very, very quickly that just about everything you thought was correct is upside down. Yeah. And, you know, if you do multiple choice or flip a coin, you're going to get heads you know, uh, you know, as often as you're going to get towels if you do it long enough. So it can't be by chance that everything is upside down. And so that is the world you walk into. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't walk into that world, I'd be a lot richer right now. But for me and many others, really, the motivation is truth. It's honor. It still means something to people and, and integrity and wanting to help their fellow man. And unfortunately, and some of the great people I work with are nearly penniless trying to do that. It's just so upside down. If you want to sell out, you can make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be in these realms, uh, you know, you're just basically opening yourself to um, many troubles. However, within those troubles, we've helped to heal. And, I've, and, I, and this is very important. I've never healed or cured anyone. And anyone who says they do, they don't. What I have done, is that I have the ability, much of it began with Barbara Wren teaching me how to do a case history, be able to see the levels of dis-ease, the levels of stress, and these can be physical, chemical, you know, toxic, emotional, mental, spirit, and so on and so forth. Be able to see those and see what this human body, this vessel that we occupy, has tried to do to remedy it. And mm -hmm. so once we see those levels, um, if someone has come to me with a label, you know, I have this or I have that. So most of the time, I have to go and look up these bloody labels because there's so many of them now. And I need to know the symptoms. So, you know, but once we've got all that down and in the time frame that it happened, it presents this beautiful picture that becomes very clear what the body's been trying to do. Because I'm telling you right now, your body doesn't know how to work against you. It's just not made that way. So it's always trying to preserve life. And once you have these factors and you can see the picture, you can give it back to that human being. I don't want to say person because you probably know what a person is, but that human being, um, you give it back to that human being. And, and I do it very deliberately because I'm getting away from that label that they've been given, which has filled them with fear 
And also, you start getting on Google, you know, Google, and everything you type in Google comes up, you're dead or you're dying or you're going to die. So we remove the fear, and when you remove the fear or begin to remove the fear, then things open. When, when they're in fear, they're contracted. And once they're open, they have a chance for the light to come in, and this is what happens. And they, they start to do things, which is remove the stresses and la di da di da and the body knows how to heal itself. So I've never cured anyone. I've never healed anyone, but I've helped thousands and thousands heal themselves. Yes, I've been involved in the process physically as well, but that's the truth of it. This is an absolutely fascinating kind of take on things, um, especially for those of us who, you know, tend toward looking at things mechanistically, you know, it's very easy to fall into the mechanistic um, standpoint whereby human beings are merely machines. We are biological machines that can be tweaked to using various chemicals and whatnot. And that if you get the chemical composition of a cell, right, then essentially everything will fall into place. But what I personally find is that that doesn't work. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't work as no. I'm sure you know. So, so actually taking a, 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 a position which factors in human beings as living things, you know, and I think this is fascinating. So, so you were saying before about how um, a lot of what we're told or a lot of what we're taught is actually upside down. And in regards to mm. health, what what might that mean you know what how if if our listeners are wondering what does he mean by that you know what have you found works really well in 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 actually helping people to heal but which is considered um potent perhaps wacky. the opposite of <clears throat> yeah kind of wacky you know <laughs> yeah well you know it- It doesn't matter if people who get, gets involved just in functional medicine or biochemical medicine uh, will soon find out, and I'm involved in groups, you will find out that there's people that do everything right and they don't get well. They may improve, they may be, you know, but they're not getting well. So there must be other factors. Now, what is very important, I think, is you are, um, <clears throat> one of my favorite movies is Blade Runner. Um, yeah. I've watched it sometimes. I, I see more in it every time, and I'm mean, definitely, definitely people are switching off. Oh my no, god, no. Blade Runner! You know, I'm off, I'm out of here. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, it's the best. It's the best, right? And, and and one of the one of the lines I like the most is is um, uh, when uh, Harrison says, you know, Harrison Ford says, "How can they not know what they are?" Okay, so let's start from that. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, this world has been made on purpose the way it is to keep you in busyness and arguably as an as an energetic slave. Now, I use the word slave very uh, deliberately, and anyone who knows what I'm talking about, go, yeah, right. He, he knows what he's talking about. Okay, an energy an energetic slave. You're born you're born into a world, and if you are with a, in a system that's very well set up to program you into being another good little robot and you know, and get into a, a proper education, although my idea of what education is and theirs is very different, and basically into the system and work and pay taxes and get married and have... Right? 
Okay, that's not how it was supposed to be, and that's not how it was. Now, I've worked with Aboriginal, I've worked with the Māori, I've worked with North American Indians and several others. They think we're nuts for not recognising our ancestors and the spiritual side and that this, that that world exists. I've spoken to Maasai. You know, they absolutely think, they, they look at and laugh at us. Okay, so if you don't recognise from the get-go that this is flesh, and if you get into quantum physics, you know, you argue that it's not even solid, but let's, for the purpose of this, this is flesh and something enters it that drives it, commonly called the soul or spirit or whatever you're comfortable with. Now, the, the, the Hindus did, did a lot of work at the end of life where they're weighing people in hammocks, and at the moment of death, definite definite weight is lost. So something leaves that had weight or matter, whatever to it. And, of course, in the old days, we'd use the word they have passed because they would recognise something has left the flesh and that what is left may look like their dad or their mum or what have you, but life has left. Now, at the other end, there's a video which I've never been able to find again where somehow they filmed um, what they believe is when the soul or the spirit enters into the human being and what is very, very interesting was that the blood starts to flow before the heart starts to beat. Hmm. Okay? So you've got now if if you're not starting your body of knowledge in the realms of health with the understanding and respect that something from another realm or dimension or whatever words you I mean no one really knows as I know, but something entered that is you and brings life. And and that cultures for good reason, for example. And if you don't recognize that, you know, passing is something has left, then in between you ignore all of that and you are just flesh and you're here to work and you're not. Mm. You're here to love and create and to explore. And I would argue, actually, you're here to be a, a, a physical beacon of light. And when you find people that are truly alive, they resonate light. Here's hi there. They, they literally glow and they light the way for all of us. They, they pull us up. We want to be more like them. Now, when you find someone in dis-ease, Normally, their frequency, their vibration, their, their energy is very low. And when you start to go into a case history and you create a space where they can actually talk to you, right, rather than just give you what you, they think you want to hear, you start to hear things like uh, great trauma or they're in a job they hate. They might be brilliant in it, but they hate. I had a very, very wealthy man. Um, uh, very, very wealthy man with, with a great problem, and I, uh, it, it, the, the, the company was killing him. Now I said to him, if you don't change what you're doing, you're going to have the best funeral anyone's ever been to because you can afford it. And that like, hit him like a ton of bricks, you know, because it, it need, he needed that, you know. And we can go on for hours, but unless you recognize that people have a, a divinity or a purpose, there's something in there. I hate the word spiritual, but a spiritual aspect. I think it's probably more dimensional. But anyway, if you don't recognize that, then when they get sick, you're not looking at the levels that go beyond that. Are How far are they off being true to themselves? 
I still don't ever do this anymore. I'm doing it all the time. <laughs> anyway, how far are they off from who they really are that the physical disease manifested to stop them, as, as it did for my wife, because she was in corporate Canada, and really she's an artist. And what the cancer did was stop her, because it stops you, okay? And, and now she's doing what she you know, should be doing, which is creative. So for me, these things are fundamental. Otherwise, if we just do the biochemical functional, you know, uh, adjustments to allow the blood and lymph and nerve flow, all we're doing is making healthier slaves. I'm not really interested. <laughs> right. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, and have you found, you know, I'm assuming I know the answer to this, but, you know, have you found that this is essentially the game changer in your experience? You know, if you do just go through the... <clears throat> Um, you know, for instance, someone might recommend exactly the same protocol, let's say, with the same sort of support, the same dietary template, the same kind of lifestyle changes, but without that connection, without that deeper um, investigation that you're talking about, do you find that that is one of the, the things which really halts someone's healing? I think you, you just said that you did, but yeah. I'm going to ask the question again. Is that the game changer, essentially? Yes. Well, it depends, you know, um, how far people want to go. I mean, th there are people, of course, that will, you know, just uh, change to the carnivore diet, for example, or a paleo uh, a ketogenic diet. Um, excuse me. Enough will change. You know, the inflammation will go. The gut will heal. And enough will change that they're very happy with that and they'll get on with their lives and that's absolutely fine. But that's not the people that come and see me. Usually, and it's still, I'm sad to say, usually the people that have come to see me have been everywhere else. And usually everything that's happened has actually made it worse. So, you know, when I work with someone, particularly if they're, they're very unwell, uh, what I find is, you know, as we start to, if, if we've understood it correct and we start to remove, you know, as Phil Escort says, the subtraction, we, we start to take away the stresses that have been put on their body, you know, uh, such as f inflammatory foods and, you know, toxic chemicals and dollar. But as we start to take those away, <clears throat> their body starts to heal. What I find usually within four to eight weeks, depending on people, is the more mental, emotional stuff starts to come on, come up. And you start to see that they're not happy at all in who they are or what they're doing. Or, you know, and some people are way down the line. I'm getting younger and younger people. It's great. But some people have lived a life uh, in, in oppressive marriages or oppressive jobs, even if they've done well in them. And, you know, they're lost. I, I help a lot of nurses, for example. I've only had two doctors in 30 years and they didn't do what I said, but lots of nurses <laughs> come and see me. And they, they tell me that in the hospitals, they're having to have secret conversations amongst themselves so they don't get A, fired, right? And B, they're so frustrated because they're listening to things like this and they want to implement them into the hospitals, but they'll get fired, you know? So it, it's just crazy. And so they're getting sick because they've learned enough that they're now seeing they have purpose and it's exciting them. They, they want to be real nurses and I have a different definition of that. And they're getting sick because they're going to work because they're known as a nurse. They get paid to be a nurse. Everyone wants them to be a nurse. They're probably a good nurse. But now they're really struggling to stick that needle in someone. 
or give them this drug that they know is toxic and they've seen, they see with different eyes. Okay. So if you have someone like that, pretty much if you're going to help that kind of person, they normally leave nursing or evolve into a different area of nursing where they can bring this more complete way of, of helping people. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it it's absolutely fascinating what you're saying. Um, and I've heard you speak about it. It's in line with something else that you speak about, about how the the symptoms sometimes the symptoms are are like a form of communication something underlying and it could be like biochemical or it, it could be as you're saying like related to their lifestyle anything yeah. it could be underlying trauma that's not dealt with or something is actually manifesting as a as like a physical symptom Absolutely. And you've spoken about suppressing that. So what, what happened? What do you think happens when, you know, you take a corticosteroid, let's say hypothetically, you know, someone's skin is raging and actually it may be like from a naturopathic perspective, from the kind of thing that you're talking about, you know, it could be some form of communication going on there, trying to communicate to the body that something is not right. And yeah. if you take like a steroid to suppress that, what do you think kind of happens on like an informational level, you know? Mm. They're excellent questions. And you have to go back to foundational roots. So if you're starting from a point of view and an understanding as I have and that Barbara Wren gave me, that the body doesn't know how to work against you. You wouldn't be looking at that skin in the same way as a dermatologist in the very first instance. So <clears throat> a dermatologist is going to look at it and want to, uh, and there's never been a skin condition I haven't been able to resolve, by the way, but um, it, a dermatologist will look at it and say, well, you need steroids and you need to apply. And I started with eczema, by the way. This is another one of my things because I wasn't breastfed and got given this crappy um, you know, formula milk. And as I know, it's it's really a gut and liver problem and then the liver's not coping and it starts to use the skin to excrete it, which in Chinese medicine, uh, sorry, sorry, is the largest organ of excretion, okay? So <clears throat> we would look at it immediately as what is the body trying to do and why, okay? And that's always where we start. So if someone's skin is raging, unfortunately, they've usually been to the doctor's many, many times and done every kind of uh, suppressing um, lotion and cream and medication. Let's look what actually happens. So if it is true, and I'll put the if, that actually most skin, so if you, if you can take away that um, they haven't dermatologically been irritated by some chemical or irritant and you can get that out of the picture, um, what you need to say what you need to be looking at is, well, if, if it is using the skin, which is the largest organ of excretion, and as the Chinese or the Asian philosophy, they look at it as the third kidney. So if someone has very bad kidneys, for example, we'll use the skin to take the pressure off the kidneys. Infrared saunas, get them sweating, that sort of thing. right? But if it is, and you go and put some very toxic um, drug or lotion on and stop it, and it appears to be improved. What you've actually done is you've pushed it, you've stopped it excreting, you've pushed it in, and it will go deeper and in and up. And there's something called the Herring's Law of Cure, um, which is in, in Herring's Law of Cure, which is, which is homeopathic, the dis-ease, very important that we 
differentiate these words, right? Uh, the the dis-ease will leave head down because the body wants to protect the brain. And on that side, mental illness, really, people are very, very toxic, very, very sick, very nutritionally deficient when it gets up to that level. But the dis-ease will leave from the head down, from move from major organ, which keeps your life to minor organ. This is the process of healing. From inside out, and in the reverse order in which it came. And that's why we do a case history. Because very often you can see them revisiting things that they've had in the past as they heal. Okay? So if you flip that, you know, and I call it the Dr. Jeremy you know, rule of getting sick, really, which is if you suppress the skin, it will very often go to the lungs. So if people had eczema, for example, it's just a label, right? Just a label. Okay? Eczema doesn't exist. You know, people out there with terrible eczema, I guess it does. No. It's described as this and called that. That's what I'm saying. But if you had eczema and you use steroid creams, which, which um, was used on me and many, many people that have come to me, normally it then moves into the lungs. So they start to get allergies or asthma. And if it can skip that entirely. But if it moves to the lungs and you keep suppressing that then with inhalers or uh, antihistamines, it then tends to go to the mind. So, for example, at 13, I was very depressed. And I didn't know why I was depressed at 13. But I've been on steroids for, for, for many, many years. And you'll see this all the time. So you see this movement of dis-ease going in and deeper. And when people come to see me, very often they've got to a state where they've almost got no energy. They're very depressed. They very often have very bad thoughts. They have lots of anger, usually. Um, they've got all kinds of nebulous problems going on. And if they've manifested any kind of growth or anything, of course, they're focused on that. You know, they're in a very high state of fear. So when you operate from a foundation that the body doesn't know how to work against you and you're looking, how did it get to this state? You would never see someone come in with horrendous skin problem and start with, well, let's just try and block, you know, clear a skin up and make it look better. And by the way, ask pretty much anyone who's had a skin problem. When they put these creams on, what normally happens is it appears to go away and then it spreads. And it makes perfect sense why it's spread, because you're blocking the ability for it to come out. So it has to go somewhere else. And that's almost always the case, for example, in, in uh, skin conditions. Kind of throws, <laughs> throws a whole new light on um, how medicine is practiced today and how fundamentally wrong it is in so many ways, or let's say how fundamentally at odds it is with more traditional intuitive methods of healing, which have worked for thousands of years, essentially. It's like we came along yeah. and we said, everything, we're going to scrap everything that we've been working from and actually this take this whole new model and look where it's got a health. I mean, it's, you know, people are in a mess. Mm. Um, now, <clears throat> okay, so... Good business. It, well, yeah. indeed, indeed. Um, well, I you know, I'm, I'm serious. I say cynically, but ask anyone in any country, as I always do, in the last 50 years, have the people of your country, and I've lived in many countries, gotten sicker or healthier? Everybody knows the answer. Yeah. Not just sicker, much sicker. Now, in the days where investigative journalism was revered, the basic rule was follow the money. Now, if you follow the money, 
you will see the 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 top five or ten. I think it's top five. At least it was in something like 2012. I think it was or 2014. The top ten pharmaceuticals. I mean, pharmaceutical companies uh, on the on the Fortune 500. Their combined profits are greater than the, the four other 490 corporations. They celebrate. I've seen the videos. I've seen. They, they don't hide it. They celebrate that they make seventy percent of their money from um, can, so-called cancer medicine or the cancer treatment. So, what have we seen? A dramatic increase in pretty much every civilized country around the world. Cancer and heart disease. Who benefits? Because it's not families. They do go through tremendous suffering. And if we were actually in a world where um, politicians actually worked for us, they wouldn't be standing up saying how many people they've treated this year, more than last year, and everyone applauding them. They'd be standing up saying how few people we've treated this year, and they'd be celebrated, but obviously because they're that much healthier, but that don't make much money, and right. it's more than money, as you, as you well know. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I know that you um, you do a lot of work with nutrition as well. Uh, what have you found to 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 work just on 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 that front? So so whilst you're dealing with all of these other factors, building up a relationship with with someone with another human being, and really trying to help them investigate, you know, what is exactly going on, help them help them really try to resolve that. Um, what kind of factors do you do you deal with on the on the practical front you know what is there anything any particular kind of diet that you will use more often is there any kind of lifestyle factors that you have found particularly beneficial in the the people that you work with yeah well the the first thing which still amazes me to this day is one has to start to define food to the ordinary human being now, because mm. most people are not eating food. They're eating absolute crap. Um, and as long as it tastes good, it, that's all that matters. Then then you have the next level, which is being the sort of, if, if they, many people say, do I have a balanced diet? Um, <laughs> they don't even really know what it is. Um, and, and then you have the ones that think they're eating healthy, uh, which is normally um, a plant-based uh, whole food diet. And uh, interestingly, you know, I've, I've uh, about two years ago, uh, I mean, I've studied Gerson, and, and, and if you don't know Gerson, Gerson is like 13 juices a day, four coffee enemas, and yes, there is a reason people put coffee up their butts if you don't know it. It stimulates the liver and gets low. But anyway, um, just in case you just in case you just thought, oh my God, he said coffee up your butt. But Gerson was very successful, at least the, the father was. They're not so much now. Um, but you know, about two years ago, um, I had two uh, vegans come to me at the same time um, in their late fifties that knew what they were doing because a, a lot of vegans out there are just eating rubbish, as many vegans know. And this isn't, by the way, this isn't about the vegan bash. It just happens to be a fact. But they came to me and they were extremely unwell um, and it, it very clear that they were nutritionally deficient and they were, you know, they really knew their stuff. And that's really what started me down uh, a road that I never expected to, to walk down, which was, um, to cut a long story short, 
um, it led me to the, the ketogenic and then the carnivore diet, which when you first sort of come across these things, instinctually you sort of go, what? I mean, it just doesn't, it's just like, what? You know, I've always, I've always used bone broths and, and what have you, and I, I knew the whole saturated fat and cholesterol thing was rubbish and la di da di da You know, you only got to see since they've changed away from those into these vegetable oils and horrible things and Crisco, you know, how America has gone from thin to fat, cancer and heart, you know, disease and what have you. But anyway, um, I came across, you know, the paleo ketogenic and the wonderful uh, Hungarian doctors, uh, Zofia Clemens and uh, Kaspar Toth, I think I pronounced their names right, and the wonderful Phil Escott and many others that, w that had just done just amazing things um, with either a fatty meat or just an entirely eating meat diet. And once I looked into that, um, it became very clear uh, that pretty much everything that's being told about that was wrong and skewed and supporting, uh, well, turns out big agriculture, which supports big chemicals, which is big pharma. And round and round the very gun we go again and come back to the same place. And here we are, once again, um, trying to... Um, educate people that are very unwell particularly autoimmunes and things that really the most healing diet right now is one that is without plants in and eating a, a lot of um fatty meat and you know and just as you know miracles happen quicker than i've ever seen them now within that i don't like boxes and i can guarantee you there are people that will not do well on that, and they will do well on a, on a vegan what for a while. But uh, I had followed Gerson and gotten themselves well, apparently, and I pleaded with them to consider looking at this, and they didn't because they'd invested so much into vegan and raw food, and you know, and they died. You know, so the fact is this: what I promote is you must listen to your body. And there are people out there that are following to the letter carnival or paleoketogenic or keto, whatever. And some of them will just throw, eat something that technically they shouldn't and they'll feel good. That is what you should do there. Mm -hmm. You know? So it, I don't like these labels and boxes because what you eat and think today may be different tomorrow or further on and if you start to listen to your body you it will speak to you it really will obviously you know sugar and chemicals and processed food and da 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 but once you've got to that realm and you've cleaned your body up and you get the taste back for real food these things don't taste good anyway so again you would be uh, listening to your body so you know, th that's my take on it at the moment. But I, I have to say, I have never seen such tremendous uh, physical transformations as the paleoketogenic and carnivore diets, the mental, emotional transformations. And people can slam it all they like on YouTube and they can present every scientific study that it's wrong. And yet these people continue to thrive mostly. Yeah. Yeah, I think what you said there also is just such an important point about not being too strict, you know, not being so regimented, especially if you are the type of personality who is all, who is often very hard on yourself and you cause yourself a lot of emotional stress doing that. 
And it's actually causing yeah. more psychological stress to be so regimented, 100% animal mm. products. It may actually be doing more harm than if you were mm. to just go and eat that orange, you know? Right, <laughs> it, right. So- uh, absolutely. Well, well let, let's look at that. I mean, someone wrote to me the other day, um, lovely woman, and because she's in the forums, and you know, you know, Facebook, either on Facebook taking selfies, which I don't do, or, you know, or, or you're doing something else or bitching about somebody, uh, or you're in a group, you know, and you're in groups. I'd love, you know, um, the CIA funded Facebook for that because it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've made such wonderful connections and including your good selves and some of the best uh, work is going on within those groups. You know, there's always a few arseholes in there, but, you know, it's, it's really good. Um, and, it, you know, the problem with these groups, I could be researching for the rest of my life and end up more confused. And there's and, and, and all of it's very interesting. And this woman wrote to me and she said, oh, my God, because I made one comment. I said, listen to your body, because if you're not careful, you're going to go off on all these tangents, which could take you down very real rabbit holes and get even more stressed. And let's, let's just look at that at a, at a real life situation. Right. So <clears throat> a lot of people are looking at the vagus nerve for example, of why they're not healing, or at least I have been, why they're not healing in spite of doing everything correct. Well, the vagus nerve is very much part of the autonomic nervous system and the fight or flight, all right? And this whole world is set up to keep you in fear. Fear is the commodity of control. So they want you in fear. Now, the vagus nerve controls the digestion in your lungs and several other things. It's, a very, it's called the wandering nerve, you know? While you're constantly stressed, and, and stress is chemical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and all these things, right? This vagus nerve is stimulated. You're in the fight or flight mode, which has become normal for most people. They don't actually know what it is not to be in it, which means your digestion will be different. Physiologically, it will be different. And so you can't possibly heal your digestion, or it's very unlikely, I should say. In these states, and I've got lots of clients that have come to me that have been following carnivore or following this or following that, and they are not well. Phil knows this, and he appreciates this very much. They haven't gotten better, and they say they're doing everything, and they are doing everything. And when you look at their lives, there has been great stress, bad divorces. In, a, not, you know, in this world, financial is huge. So lots of financial problems, um, you know, and so on and so forth. And in these states, it's very, very difficult to actually get into that realm where you can start to stop deteriorating and then heal. Again, why I spend enormous time trying to see the human being, because most of them are human doings that come to see me. I need to see the human being. I need to see all the factors. I'm a bit like... Billy Connolly and uh, Gordon Ramsay when I work, you know, so, you know there's, there's laughter and tears and things, but I get to see the human being. Mm. And you don't then, shout at them, do you? <laughs> um, if I ever, if I, not, not like Gordon Ramsay, no, but if I have my son say, oh my God, Daddy, did you hear yourself? But normally it's laughter or I'm making a point or getting passionate, as you probably know I do. And um, you, you just have have to go and look at my testimonials page, you know, for the people that have worked with me from some various, you know, they've come through it, very different people, and they, and they love it. And I have to say, um, at sort of converse to that, um, uh, the wonderful Dr. Paul Mabry, who is a wonderful American GP who I've got enormous respect for, um, 
you know, and, and is in a sort of private group with me where we discuss things, you know, pointed out to me, and I, because I've been really quite hard on doctors because I've just seen how much damage they've done. And very often they don't even know, they don't see it until they see it. And if you, if you don't understand that, whoever's listening, go and watch my two interviews with Valerie Warwick, who is an ex-oncology nurse of 18 years turned whistleblower in America. And until you see what you're doing, you actually do genuinely believe you're doing great work. And you don't see the harm that many of us have seen you're doing. But Dr. Paul Mabry, who's absolutely a wonderful chap, brilliant uh, a doctor, um, said to me, and he's absolutely right, of course, he said, the problem is, you know, we're getting, you know, all these people coming to see us that are in this, you know, system that they don't even know they're in. And they actually don't care to change. They're not interested in changing. They want the pain gone or the skin rash gone. And so he said, we give them the drugs because that's what they want. Now, of course, that's been created, you know, but when the drugs don't work, and the drugs never work, in my view, they always suppress it and maybe prolong it and get it to work. Finally, they'll have to do something, and that's usually when they end up at my door, which is not a great place to start with. It's much easier if we catch them much earlier on. But so, but I, un I understood... And the pressures doctors are under much more. They just, you know, they just want to be given something. And they've been programmed to be, give me something, doctor. Doctor knows best, give me something. So I have more respect for them. And hopefully they'll actually start working with us uh, in, the sh in the near future. Because as far as I'm concerned, the world is shifting. And it would be much better if we all work together and create true hospitals, which shouldn't look anything like they do. Oh, my God. Go into a hospital when you're well and you feel sick. You know, yeah. this should be light. You know, I mean, it's an electromagnetic nightmare. You know, it is just the worst place. I mean, I had someone in a coma several years ago. The wife contacted me, he was in a coma. His testimony is on my page. And um, I said, well, look, he's in the worst possible place you can be. And he's surrounded by, you know, uh, electromagnetic pollution. What I suggest you do is get yourself earthed and hold his hands so at least it's discharging and keep spraying you with magnesium and cross your fingers. And he, he came through enough that he went, and he thought I was mad at that point, but he knew he was going to die. So he said, look, I'd rather die at home. I'll come home and I'll talk to this bloke. And when I did a consultation with him, he was on 36 drugs, 36 wow. drugs. And, you know, I, as we went through his cases, you saw the more drugs he took, the worse he got, and so they gave him more drugs, and the worse he got, and the more drugs, and worse he got, right? So I said, you know, I said to him, I said, well, if you think these are actually uh, helping you, because he was still kind of, you know, um, pick any three and give them to your children. And of course he laughed, because how ridiculous. <sighs> It'll make them ill. And I said, well, if it's going to make healthy children ill, how's it going to make a sick man well? And it's that freaking simple. It's that freaking simple. But it's big business. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard it put like that, um, <laughs> but it makes perfect sense. It really yeah. does. You only mm. have to use a toddler's logic, use common mm. sense, um, and it seems to work. Um, Jeremy, mm. when we were talking before the show, you said about something... Um, You've got something planned for the future, no? Yeah. Yes. Talk, you're talking about um, filming a documentary. Do you, have you got anything that you could tell us about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um, I'm appearing at a conference in Spain with Phil Escott and Paul Mabry, Dr. Paul Mabry and Dr. Jovia Clemens, uh, and the wonderful Graham Norbury and Zahir Khan, and um, organized uh, by the wonderful uh, Lynn very soon, where we'll be doing the promo, we'll be doing enough video to get the promo going. But uh, I've wanted to do something like this for a very long time but i knew I'm, I'm writing a book as well i've been asked to write a book for years but i'm writing a book and i have a publisher and it's all you know but trying to write a book and you anyway we're getting there but um i knew we had some factors missing you just kind of know in your gut we've got some facts well i believe we've got those now and now because i'm working with these absolutely wonderful examples of human beings that have immense experience and knowledge and then their titles, whether that be doctor or whatever it is, you know, because they're human beings first, then a body of knowledge, and then we put a label on, right, in that order for me. These extraordinary people that are doing wonderful things. Uh, we now can see that this body of knowledge that I'm sort of share, beginning to share here with you also has immediate critics coming in with some very good questions. But we have the answers to those, you know. So, for example, you know, most people are being told that cows are actually farting and destroying the planet, which couldn't be further from the truth. It happens to be a bacteria in the soil that loves um, cow methane, you know, and thrives on it. But anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, but we now know from some of these great people and so true scientists working out there that actually putting the cows, the cattle back out there onto the land is one of the greatest gifts you can give back to the earth and get you know proper um, development of back to nature again the plants uh, the roots grow much deeper you know it's just a perfect ecosystem so we have those people that we want to bring into the documentary who can give credible uh, information about those things I, I want to get the cow whisperer on who is one of the most famous autistic women on the planet, who shows how um, the abattoirs and all these things, you know, like like many, I've watched the horrific videos and I've gone, oh my God, what the hell's going on here? Now I realize now there's some big questions on whether that's actually uh, deliberately done to get shock value or if it wasn't done deliberately and that's going on, those people need to be stopped. But when you see, uh, and I forget her name now, the cow whisperer, or maybe you know it, but when she's done a whole set of videos of actually the degree of welfare that goes on and brings these uh, animals to slaughter for our food. Now, it's still going to upset so many people, I know. But the fact is, it's extremely thought out and humane and caring. And I force myself to watch nature, assuming nature kills quickly. And, uh, and pain, you know, as quickly as possible, you know, lions and carnivals. And quite the opposite, I found out. It's horrendous yeah. half of the time. Human, human beings, and remember, all our ancestors, you know, I've mentioned the Māori and the Aboriginal, and the, all of them hunted and revered the animal spirit, uh, celebrated it, gave thanks before they hunted, gave thanks after, and recognised this circle of life that most people don't even want to consider that there is something after and before, and therefore there's a cycle. So it puts things in a very different perspective. And many more you know, aspects to this documentary. So we're going to do a promo, we're going to do a crowdfunding, we, we've got some you know, people that may help us out individually as private investors that we'll go to. And Phil and I 
um, who, who are, our production company is going to be called Two Naughty Guys because really we're just two <laughs> naughty guys uh, and just laugh about everything in very serious uh, <laughs> issues. No, but we're, we, we hope to do something that we're proud of, that, that our children will be proud of, and that will really help to bridge a gap and, and help people and, and this planet that we, that we call home. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah, when you're, when you're closer, when you're closer to sort of sorting that out, it'd be great to get you on again and, and, and talk yeah. about that. Um, and let us know when, when you get the promo up as well, that'd be really good to, to kind of, um, you know, spread the message and hopefully well, help, help you guys out. I should come on with, I should come on with Phil. Um, that would be cool. I just adore who yeah, yeah, he's 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 so he's so naughty. If there's a line you shouldn't cross, um, he jumps over it and keeps running. And I'm I'm kind of a sensible one. I'm a straight man holding him back. But he is he's absolutely brilliant. He really is. He's his heart. Um, I, I adore him because he his love for helping others is rarely found. Um, he's genuine, and many people will attest to this. He's absolutely brilliant. He'll play it down. He, he is rightfully respected by those who should respect him, and he's very silly and naughty, and probably needs a spat bottom <laughs> nearly every day. But he's just—I <laughs> love him, and I'm very happy. That, you know, uh, he's one of the reasons I'm—I'm I'm back here uh, to work with him. He's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to? Um... You know, you, you you see you see clients, you see clients internationally, and I'm guessing you yes. also you also see clients in the UK now. Now that you're back, what what yes. you know, where can we find your information and, and things? Well, hopefully you'll have my website on this podcast, and mostly I send people to the testimonials page to hear the videos and others, so they they know I'm just not selling myself and things. And most of my clients. The last couple of years because i left the physical clinic to try and write this book and do start doing some documentaries and things and but most of my clients i i do via zoom and skype consultations all over all over the world but yeah i am seeing people here i haven't got a physical venue so i have to i have to sort of find somewhere like someone's home or something and see them and that sort of stuff at this point and that's okay but um there is something very important i want to say um if if you happen there's, there's a great film called the lives of others it's a, it's a german film if, if you haven't seen it um and you are listening to this I, I would love you to go and watch this film even though it's subtitled and many people seem to be adverse to that the lives of others <clears throat> and it's a, a particularly special film to me because most of my 30 years doing this i've lived in immense fear as has most of the people that do what i do uh, which it shouldn't be that way. We should be paid very well and supported and, you know, be talking to anyone who wants to talk to us, governments, doctors, surgeons, you know, on and on and on, right? And the lives of others is about the time where there was East Germany and West Germany and the Berlin Wall and the um, uh, the secret police. And it's about these people that were trying to plan, you know, to overthrow at the time. And <clears throat> this most senior interrogator um, was listening to their planning without them knowing. And I don't really want to spoil the movie, but the point is this, that as he listened, he started to be affected by their compassion, their, their passion, their compassion, their intent, their goodness, I would say, for humanity. And the, and the worst of the interrogators was being affected at the human level. Now, 
if you're listening to this and uh, for or alternate purposes that are not to benefit humanity, the doctors, the, the surgeons, the authorities, and so on and so forth, we have a real opportunity in this time with the world being able to speak. It, it, you cannot stop this knowledge that is spreading, the people's desire to be free, to live a, a happy, peaceful life. We don't want war. We don't want disease. We want to be prosperous. We know this world is abundant. So I want these people to start to remember their humanity and to start to work with us. Stop fighting us. Start working with us. We can do things we can do amazing things that will pay you many more times than, than what you're being paid in many more ways than just money. And that is what I hope, if any of my work is ever remembered, that I, it, hopefully I live a long life, but I want to bring humanity together and end all these problems that, as you well know, are created by people that spaces aren't ever usually even seen. Uh, in the public domains. It's, it's time for a much, much better world. And the truth is, it's so easy to do. It's so easy. Well, well said. I, I, yeah, very well said. And um, I really hope that, uh, I hope it's a possibility. I really do. <laughs> of course think, it is, Elliot. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think that was a, uh, Probably a great way to end the show there, <laughs> Jeremy. Um, yeah, I want to. I want to thank you again for coming on, Jeremy. It's been a, an absolute pleasure having you on yeah. and listening. Yeah. You know, to to everything that you've been talking about, your long range of experience, but also your insight into things which, I'll be honest, the majority of people don't really talk about and don't factor in, and which seem to be Correct. so fundamentally important. And that I think many people can take a leaf from your book. I honestly do. And actually start, especially others who are working with people who are sick, is actually try our best to, to really factor these things in. And also for the listeners who are suffering with any health issues, to try and take what Jeremy said into consideration, um, how, you know, how you can try and factor these things into your life um, and hopefully aid your healing in that way. So again, it it was a uh, fantastic. We're going to have to get you back on again in the future, Jeremy. Yeah. yeah. You and Phil will come on. Uh, and, uh, that'll you. be really great. Okay. Um, so yeah, thank you. That's the, um, that's the end, end of the show this week. Thanks to all the listeners. And um, if you like the show or you found it helpful, please share it, share it on social media, Facebook, whatnot. And also you can like and subscribe. Um, subscribe on our YouTube channel. We haven't got many subscribers, but it'd be good if we had more. It's because growing. We're gonna be doing, yeah, it's growing. Because uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to be doing lots more interviews in the near future. So, um, yeah, keep up to date. And that's all for today then, folks. Thanks a lot. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you so much.